0: The Walk the Mile podcast is produced on Gadigal land. I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which Skeg Darlinghurst stands, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to Elders past and present. May our reconciliation be an ongoing process of love and compassion. Hello everyone, I'm Gary Lee Lindsay, school chaplain at Skeggs Darlinghurst, and you're listening to Walk the Mile, a podcast that opens up conversations that we need to have. Hello everyone and welcome to Walk the Mile. I hope that you enjoy our conversation. This is the first time uh, that we've had some parents on the podcast, which is pretty exciting. Today we have Matt Jones, who has a Year 7 daughter called Harper at Skegs. How are you, Matt?
1: I'm well. Nice to be here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we have Christy Boyce, who also has a Year 7 daughter here at Skegs. And Marita, how are you going, Christy? Very well, thanks. Excellent. How long's uh, your involvement been at
1: Skeggs, Matt? So Harper joined in year three, so we are four and a bit years in, and I think it was around, it was probably actually a conversation with Christy back in 2020, started to kind of pull me into getting a bit more involved in, in the school, at a kind of community level, and right. a bit involved in fundraising, and then I joined the trust board in the middle of last year. Excellent.
0: And Marina's been here since kindergarten. She has. Right? So yeah. you've been a, a long-serving parent. Absolutely.
2: And <laughs> actually my mother went to Skegs too. So really? So it's a family connection. Yeah, you didn't come to I Skegs. I didn't. I missed out. Uh,
0: <laughs> would you like to come at some other stage? I think It's <laughs> a bit late <laughs> now, but
2: <laughs> I am envious of the experience that Marina seems to be having.
0: Oh, I'm glad she enjoys it. How's year seven going for both your daughters? What sort of response or feedback have you got so far?
2: Uh, look I think they're really enjoying the responsibility but they're also really feeling the responsibility yeah, and it's sure. a lot it's a big transition even if you've come from the primary school
1: yeah the same I, I I think what I really appreciated was how hard Skegs works to sort of smooth that out and I almost wondered you know knowing that the year was it the year fives and sixes they sort of sit in senior school assembly and in the year six they're in classrooms that are sort of up in the senior campus, and you thought, oh, maybe the change won't seem that profound. But in all yeah. those other ways, the change is so profound that you're really quite grateful that yeah. there was this sense of almost eliding those two experiences, because otherwise I think it was a really big jump. So, yeah, and positive. it's incredible that,
0: isn't it? Because it's not the geography of coming from one school and you know going down the road. We're all on the same campus. But there is something about that change in the environment who knows what that contains, new kids coming in as well.
2: Oh, look, what I think the difference. new kids, they've, they've loved that. But, yeah, they're expected to take a lot more responsibility for themselves. And yeah. they embrace that and appreciate yeah. that. But in the, it's still a challenge making that transition.
0: Yeah. Now, both of you are very involved in the school. You could easily just send your daughters to school and pick them up at the end of the day. But you are very involved. And both of you are part of what we call the Capital Campaign and can you explain just what the capital campaign is at the moment what are we trying to raise money for
2: well we're trying to raise money for two things we're trying to raise money for the redevelopment of wilkinson house Mm -hmm. which is really needed to deliver a 21st century education so this isn't a vanity project this is a um it was originally an apartment building that was then adapted adapted to classrooms and it's been turned into a 21st century learning space so with beautiful design by William Smart that really I think transforms the building. So that's one side of it. And the other side of it is the scholarship program. And mm-hmm. personally, I'm, I'm really passionate about that. I think Skeggs one of the things I love about SKEGS is how it embraces social justice. And we are in a community, um, where there are areas of disadvantage around us and it's wonderful to give those girls an opportunity to attend Skegs, but it's also wonderful for our girls to have that experience of sort of broader diversity yeah. and different experiences um, their classmates with quite different experiences of the world
0: Right, so those are particular scholarships, Christy like they're not your... Their means to, they're
2: means tested and the particular. there's a particular program focused on Indigenous students who... Mm-hmm. live in the area so I think that's particularly wonderful because you look at most of the other Indigenous scholarship programs and they're about taking kids out of their communities yes. and sending them to boarding school yeah. Skeggs is quite different in that it's giving kids Indigenous kids this opportunity but they're staying in their community
0: yeah, yeah which is really important what causes both of you to, to want to give up your time for something like this because you both I'm guessing are busy people <laughs> professional people have lots of other things to do and i'm sure you'd like to have your own time as well what drives you to do this
1: i'd love to say for me it was a very deliberate decision but it was definitely an accident at first it was caused entirely by me running my mouth off so i was having i was having coffee um i'd agreed to have coffee to talk about this campaign and you know sort of invited to to come and have a chat and I started to give feedback on how the campaign was being run and how, I guess, how the ask was being framed. Because at the time, this was sort of mid to late 2020. And, you know, not that any of us like to think too much about the, the, the COVID period of history, mm. but, you know, it was a challenging time and a lot, of, a lot of concern, a lot of stuff going on in the world. And that has not changed, clearly, you know, two and a half years on. And one of the bits of feedback I gave was there's a bit of cognitive dissonance, in asking people to give to the poor, starving private school girls of Skeggs Darlinghurst. You know, there's sort of there's a bit of a you've got to sort of acknowledge, you know, we, we pay high fees at this school. Yeah. why why, why we why are we asking? And and so I got into this conversation about well, we've got to get clear about the fact that the thing that we love about Skeggs is it is in Darlinghurst. Mm. It is in the inner city. And that means it does face this incredible Constraint and, and if we want Skeggs to remain this, this inner city school that that is, you know, cheek and jowl with, with the real world, well, then we've got to make the most of that tiny parcel of land. Yeah, if we right. want Skeggs to maintain its intimacy, its smallness, if we want those really, you know, those small classes and years and, and that school where everyone seems to know everyone, well, we can't just grow our way out of those financial challenges. So we've yeah. got to make the most of the land we've got, which means redevelop it. We've got to find ways to raise money for capital because our fees pay for the school that we run. They don't yeah. pay for the school of the future. And if we, as parents, all talk the talk of wanting more diversity and that means more scholarships and that means more Indigenous representation, well, that has got to get funded from somewhere. And so having said all that, the feedback from the other side of the, the coffee table was like, well, why don't, you come and, why don't you come and help with that a bit? So, um, yeah, we've spent the last couple of years working together um, and it's... Just incredibly rewarding because I guess in thinking about that, I sort of got over my own cognitive dissonance of, of then thinking about, well, there's so many challenges in the world, but yeah. actually, this challenge of supporting skegs and helping skegs grow and thrive is one I'd enjoy being,
0: being yeah. part of. And you mentioned the ask because I, I, you know, even when I ask the kids to bring in some tins of food, or you know, there's constantly. Charities, I guess, that we're involved in, and asking people to be involved, and I balk at that. Even <laughs> I'm not asking for millions of dollars. What is it about the ask, do you think, that we that we find difficult?
1: I think I'll I'll start. Um, I'm the I'm the amateur. Christie's been doing this much longer than me, so so she'll probably have a more informed view. But I think sometimes we find an ask difficult because we forget that there's value in the transaction on both sides. Mm. When we are asked to give by others, often that's a gift to us because it gives us a chance to get the emotional reward of giving back. And I think sometimes as the askers, we forget that actually we're offering people an opportunity.
0: opportunity,
1: Um, And that opportunity is to be involved in something and that is to, to, to give something back. But to do that, we've got to frame the ask with a little bit of that, what's in it for you? Yeah. And so that means taking responsibility of saying, well, in our case, what are we trying to create here at Skaggs and why is that going to be so rewarding? I think it's easy to forget, you know, we've got a we did the you know, we did the the dinner for, for new parents and it's easy to forget. If you're a new parent to the school, you know, this year or in recent times, pretty much half of the school that your daughter's engaging with was built due to the generosity yeah. of past parents. Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute, okay, so how do we then help people make the mental leap 10 years forward, 20 years forward to go, there's a future generation who'll yeah. come to a school that I helped to build. That's that's yeah. special, that's legacy. How many times in our lives do we get the chance to be part of creating legacy? But we also have to take responsibility to, to, to paint that picture for yeah. people rather yeah. than just see it as a an ask and say, well, please get out your checkbook what's that. generous for you.
0: Yeah, about well, you, Christy, what do you think? What's, I mean, you've been doing this for a while. What do you find it difficult to ask?
2: I'm not a natural asker at all. So I do find it difficult. And I, I think what led me to this was, one, I, I love the school. I really love what it stands for. And I, lo- mm. I love what it's done for my daughter in terms of developing her to, into a sort of confident, sassy, but aware, you know, focused on social justice person. So that, that was part of it for me. Uh, the other part of it was... I've, I really believe in educational equality. And so the scholarships obviously addresses that through yeah. social justice, and creating more opportunities for people. But it also just bugged me that the independent boys' schools found it so easy to raise money. And when you look at the way the sort of brother schools of Skeggs, which yeah. there, of which there are a number, raise money versus Skeggs does, even though Skeggs is actually a standout as a girls' school, mm-hmm. that's just not right. Yeah. Um, so that was why I got involved. I wouldn't have got involved if I thought Wilkinson House was a, a vanity project. It, it is a much needed project that really w- makes the most of our sort of square meters in yeah. Darlinghurst, and the scholarship program is very dear to me. And you know, I also reflect a little bit as an individual, and I really um, value the diversity within SKEGS. But I don't think personally I've helped it. So it's my way of sort of rebalancing a little bit. <laughs> Part of my, when I first got involved, the first way I got involved was giving, right? Yeah. Was because I, I value diversity. I want this school to be diverse. Yeah. So I should, I, and I have the capacity to help
0: but that, that. makes that makes a lot of sense to me. When you're yeah. saying, you know, you value social justice, you, mm. you want diversity and all those things. You know, we often, again, talk to the kids about, well, that's good, you be fortunate. There's nothing wrong with being fortunate, mm. but what can you give of what you have? And that's what you're saying. And I think yeah. that's great. I don't, you know, I would never say that you flaunt that at all.
1: <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's, a, it's a fascinating, bigger picture sort of philosophical conversation yeah. and, and, and definitely one that the, my partner Rebecca and I had in, you know, making the decision about Skegs, And ultimately Skegs was an easy decision. But as Christy, as you say, it still came with that, that bit of a sense of, if not guilt, at least then obligation. And, you know, I think back, my, my very early career was, was in, in politics in the UK and I was a, a political advisor for the UK Conservative Party. Right. And yeah. um, my personal political journey has been pretty long since then and I probably wouldn't fall on that side of the political aisle these days. But it's reflecting as you were talking there, Christy, that... What got me there was, you know, when I was a kid in sort of sixth form in the UK, so in the year 11 or 12, started studying economics, and I thought this is fascinating, understanding how, how business works and how, how you know enterprise works and how yeah. money is generated. And so I became kind of a, you know, a little free marketeer, a little, little kind of Tory boy economically. But I thought the debate in society was, do we support wealth creation and enterprise and then use that to make the world a better place, or do we suppress it? I didn't realise there were people on the right of politics who thought the point of wealth creation was wealth creation, and then we should protect the wealth creation and not do any good with it. So, right. you know, that's a, that's a much more extreme and challenging position yeah. that I couldn't I couldn't make peace with. So, yeah. I think when I listen to you, I'm sort of very much on that same page of going: the world is not served by holding our daughters back. But equally, the world is not served only by giving our daughters the best start in life and not thinking about others. We've got to be able to find that balance between the two.
2: And I think that's what we're teaching our girls, right? And we need to walk the talk, right? The parents need to... We're all role models to the Mm. girls, right? And you do that with them, but we also as a community need to talk to our our daughters about how we give and if we, we have the capacity to give, how we do that, you know, marina and i are going to cambodia um and one of the things i've been talking to about there is we're going to go and look at a um stay in a camp where they're, they're protecting animals from poachers and i said you know i want to actually go and look at some of the they've got some really inter- interesting social enterprises there, go and have a look at them and sort of think about what's the thing that we might decide to help um because i definitely don't want I think it's so important that we ground our girls mm. in they are privileged
0: mm.
2: but the point is you do something with that mm. and understanding how the world works and yeah. it's not unfortunately for, for many people um, that fair and they don't have the opportunities and how do you help address those yeah, things that's great.
1: and I think just building on that and I feel in danger of getting very political but hey it's the conversation we're having there are multiple inequalities and imbalances in the world, and and one of the primary ones is in leadership. And that's leadership in business, it's leadership in society, in politics, and that imbalance has been too masculine for too long. And we need stronger female leadership to counterbalance that in the world. You know, without stereotyping, the reality is that women bring a different level of of often empathy and thought process to boards to to political parties and and we need more balanced leadership in the Mm. world we need a, a greater diversity of voices and that gender diversity of voices is a critical part of it and we've got an opportunity here to to be a little production line for more strong female leaders in the world who don't suffer from imposter syndrome and who do go out and go, I understand the value I can create in the world and I'm willing to stand behind that and not let often less qualified, less capable men get in front of them in the queue. I think, you know, let's if if we're going to be a, a meritocratic society, we also need to give those underrepresented voices, of which there are many and, and the female is, is one you know, one example of that, yeah. but it's the one that we can really deal with here. So yeah. let's do that.
2: And I mean, just picking up on that point, a book that I read in the last few years that I absolutely loved was the Melinda French Gates book, The Moment of Lift, which is about, I think the subtitle is, How Female Empowerment Changes the World. And it is, you know, even in our community, there are a lot of women who actually lack power because they don't have um, economic independence and yeah. that they lack confidence and things like that. And, and Skeggs hope well i'm definitely in my door i'm saying it, you know it gives them that power and helps them step up in that way but that's true across the world and when you read that book and you read about the changes in you know things like infant health childhood outcomes etc when women have economic oh, yeah. independence and social independence yeah. it's it's something that is True across the board, and I could see our girls being a force for making that happen more broadly. Yeah. so same as yeah. your point, but it's a slightly different way.
0: You talked about uh, empathy being something that's, that, that, that's significant, or with leadership is important. How does that? How does empathy influence what you're doing in terms of you know being, encouraging philanthropy? You know. You, you might have a drive like both of you have for social justice. Well, let me go back a little bit. Where did that come from for both of you? Where where do you reckon you learned that? Was that from your family? Was it from an experience? Can you put your finger on it? Or was it just part of your character?
1: I think for me, um, you know, I had a, a, a very happy, you know, somewhat ordinary childhood. I wasn't massively privileged, but I also was never... Um, you know, never, never wanted for anything. I was an only child. Um, that may be obvious at this stage in the interview, um, <laughs> but I think what I've always been a bit restless about is that search for purpose, mm. that desire to find meaning. And um, I think work, your salaried work, your paid work, can give you some of that. And if you're lucky, it gives you a lot of that. But I don't think it can give you all of that. Yeah, sure. And, you know, you touched on how much the girls enjoy singing in chapel. Um, I think there's a lot that we get out of the that sense of, of membership of community when we're at school and when we're at university and whether it's singing together or whether it's playing sport together, that and I think you start to lose that as you become an adult and you mm. go into the world of work. And so I think there is, for me at least, that that search for purpose and meaning, and that sense of contribution—that mm. you know—you sleep a little bit better at night. Going, yeah, what am I doing with the tools at my disposal? Yeah. Whether that's my my wealth or my you know capabilities or my network of relationships, yeah. like how am I how am I mobilizing those things to to do something meaningful? Yeah, um, that that's probably where it comes from for me, and you know, I do get it a little bit frustrated by some of the things that I see in the world and again, you know, do you choose to be a, you know, what's the cliche these days, a bystander or an upstander Mm. you know, and and, Mm. you know, we walked we walked across the bridge the other day for the the World Pride March and that felt good to be part of that and that's a gesture and it's great to make strong gestures and be part of a movement but I think also then at times you can do more than make a gesture you can really, you know, put your shoulder to the wheel and um,
0: yeah yeah, and it's that I think you were saying before, Matt, that's that transactional process which isn't just about doing something and getting rewarded by something material, but there's something else, sometimes inexplicable, that you receive in being able to give, being generous.
2: I think that's right. I mean, I, I think I was pretty unaware actually as a child and a teenager, and what brought it to life for me was actually traveling so right. going to developing countries um and seeing the situation yeah. that other people were in and how through absolutely no fault of their own just dumb luck basically yeah. you know how good i had it and my family had it versus other people had it and how people had been just so resilient in circumstances and, and it made me think uh a lot more about social justice. So I did economics in Sydney, but I was probably a classic sort of um, economist, you know, and probably went on a little bit of a similar journey to you, actually, Matt, in terms of just realising that, that economics doesn't solve anything. Trickle-down economics, completely discredited. People, you know, there isn't equal, equal opportunity for people, and that... Fit, feels wrong to me so yeah. that was sort of how I got engaged and you know don't get me stuck you know I'm, I'm far <laughs> more politically engaged than, than I ever was as a teenager right. in terms of how I think about those sort of issues yeah. and I have to say I did have
1: there is an inflection point for me as yeah. well which I should say which is meeting meeting Rebecca Harper's mother um, when, and my wife and partner all those things um, we're anti-labels but that is the label yeah. <laughs> um, and we we, we met many years ago in London, and it was just this perfect kind of, um, you know, meeting between two people from completely different worlds, not just because I was from the UK and she was from Australia, but because at the time I was working as a, I was still a civil servant then, I was a government economic advisor at the Treasury in London, and she was in London on the way back from Northern Ireland, where she had been a volunteer chaperoning a group of young Aboriginal women from Australia who'd never left the country, wow, okay. who'd been to a reconciliation conference in Northern Ireland wow. where Aboriginal women sat down with Protestants and Catholics um, and talked about the challenges of reconciliation and community. And Beck was involved in Antar and reconciliation and was sort of absolutely, you know, at, at that time. All you know, very invested in in those campaigns for Mm. for, for recognition and reconciliation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think I also fell in love with someone who was just absolutely at the front line of pressing for the change that she wanted to see in the world. I thought this is, this is probably better than me sitting around in my blue pinstripe suit (laughs) (laughs) pretending to be a grown-up economist. So, yeah, that definitely changed me.
0: Just when you were talking about both those stories, you know, I think. You can start at the point in, you both express you see a certain need and how do you how do you provide for that need and how do you address that need. But you've also at the end you've got to have some type of hope, don't you? We could always say, uh, redo Wilkinson House, look, it looks fantastic, we've done our bit. But there's almost a what would you call it? Like a like almost a vision or a philosophy of hope about that same with the scholarships provide a scholarship for a kid and might not be able to get the same sort of education to get that education so that one day and we talked about leadership you know they're able to lead others in that what what is that hope i mean it's a fairly broad thing isn't it but how much does hope drive these sorts of projects or activities
2: i, I think that's a super important point because really Wilkinson House is just a mechanism what we're really doing is building female leaders yeah and and a diverse set of female leaders and that and that's what excites me that I do think this group of girls in this school that they're, they're being that um, they're getting the values and the learning and the capa- and the intellectual capability to go out and sort of change the world and so it's not about a building as such, or even a scholarship as such, They you can draw the link a little bit more clearly there. But it's about building this capability that I think will be a force for good.
0: Yeah, it's great. It's
1: great. Yeah, look, I I strongly echo that, and probably got a couple of couple of hopes. I I you know I I would love to think that we could get the building works funded quickly, so that we can then get on with the work of continuing to build and grow and diversify the school community we all want and that's getting into the scholarship programs but you've got to got to put one foot ahead of the other yeah i think more broadly yeah. as i was reading a piece from um it was Sat South by southwest last week in austin and um i'm fascinated you mentioned social enterprises and i'm fascinated by that whole emerging world of social business and yeah, b corps yeah. and organizations that think about how to ultimately generate profit but, but do good at the same time and Patagonia is always sort of high on that list and the CEO of Patagonia was talking and he, he was talking about how we've got to move past this idea of being consumers of products and think more as being owners of those products that, you know, we're, we're, when, when we buy something ownership changes but that doesn't mean our job is now just to consume it and throw it away it's, mm. it's to take ownership of it and I thought that was an interesting thing to apply to something like Skegs, where we as parents think more like we now own the school we're, we're stakeholders in this and if we own this we've got to yeah. take care of it so I hope that yeah. we can also affect a bit of a shift in that culture of we talk about a culture of giving but it's also a culture of ownership Yeah. if this is yours and the paint's peeling
0: yeah.
1: well maybe you should get out the paintbrush and, yeah. and do that rather than go yeah. well I'm just a consumer of this place and yeah, yeah. that's not good enough so could someone yeah. please fix that and I think if we can do that we can collectively own this as an institution that becomes a bit of a beacon as you say christy it does generate more female leaders but it also generates thought leadership about how to raise more female leaders in the world because that's a challenge out there this is becoming a more and more difficult world for young people to grow up in and that thought leadership and knowledge about how to raise strong resilient young women who can deal with the slings and arrows that the world's going to throw at them and come out the other side and have a positive impact, mm. that's something that skags can do. It's also something skags can model yeah, and teach and, sure. and be a force for. Yeah, right? which is
0: great having, you know, as I say, having your parents involved in this. And, and it connects, in my mind, very much to the idea of community. You know, both of you talked about community and how important that is and the ownership, you know, that, that I often say to people... You know, in my role, I don't necessarily see the classroom, so I'm going to teach and stuff. But, you know, in my role, I don't see this as a school. I see this as a community and how, how do I build that community or how do I help to build that community and shape it in that way. Um, Matt, you, you were telling me, I think, uh, before we started about your, your business, Mm. your uh, gin business <laughs> and how and how it how it's affected the community where where that is do you to say yeah look it has I mean I,
1: I would, every time I come to a Skegg's talk on you know the risks associated with alcohol and drugs I feel very very <laughs> conscious of what I do Sorry, but, maybe I should have just said no, but but um, yeah look it, it's it's but I think it is really relevant to, to the point of community I mean first of all it's relevant to the the, the point of the ask, it was I was telling you, it was ten years ago when we were trying to raise some some funds to to build four pillars in the first place. Mm. And Stu Gregor and I, he, he was a he was until very recently Skeg's parent yeah. as well and, and a third mate of ours, Cameron, you know, we start to think about who do we know who, you know, were we all gonna do something really silly like buy the leg of a racehorse, we'd see if they wanted to be involved, but instead let's see if they want to be involved in the gin business. But at that stage it felt irresponsible and risky and you had to say to everyone, look, please don't expect a return on this, but it's going to be fun. So you had to frame the ask in a way that said, well, what, what's in it for them? I think the unforeseen thing was the impact we would have on, on our home. So um, as I was say, we, we're based in Healesville in the Yarra Valley, not out of any strategic intent, but because Cameron is selfish and refused to move. And he was <laughs> going to do the work, so we had to be in Healesville. So he now, he now walks 150 metres to work every day. But we, we bought this old timber shed. We've since purchased the neighboring property and, and built a, a much enlarged distillery and, and that both from a, a job creation point of view from a from a town pride point of view but from a visitation point of view has helped to to change and, and shape that town and four pillars is now absolutely hardwired into the Hillsville that's community crazy. and and we have multiple generations of families working at yeah. four pillars and it, it blows my mind how connected now that yeah. business is to that that's place incredible.
0: and that's a that's quite a an obvious example of ownership isn't it mm. like there's these people in this area who this is our thing they're proud of it and i guess that's the same thing we want for the school isn't it well, this is our school we're proud of our school we want to sort of make it almost infectious yeah
2: i always think of that as sort of as generational custodians so it's slight tweak on ownership so each generation has invested in this school, mm-hmm. and we're the custodians at this point in time, and we will invest in it and pay it forward to yeah. the next generation. But we've definitely be- benefited from the generosity of past generations, yeah. and you know, I do think one of the things I think is really wonderful about Skeggs is it. While I've made all those comments before about the discrepancy between philanthropy and boys' schools independent schools versus girls independent schools skeggs actually is a standout from the perspective of a girls school and has much more of that sort of mm. sense of community and const- custodianship
0: to yeah. it and that's what you want to carry isn't it yeah. it's not the the building so it's not the you know the, it might not yeah. even be the marks yeah you know it's it's something about the culture that you want to carry that you yeah. want to continue
2: well, I think Skeggs does a really good job of helping each girl be the best she can be mm. um, as an individual. And that's what all the things that we're talking about are designed to help
0: that happen. Mm. Is, it, is philanthropy something that... Uh, I mean, we sort of talked about this already in, in a way. But do you think philanthropy is something that you can teach someone? You know, Because both of you, obviously, as I said, giving up time and effort to be part of this... And you obviously both have a passion for this, but how do you get other people to be interested in this? In that sort of idea, not necessarily the capital campaign, of course we want people to be interested in capital campaign, but just being philanthropic.
1: I might I might answer that by, by coming at it from a slightly different angle. I between being in politics and, and making gin, I spent about a decade working in, in creative agencies and that's what took me overseas and spent a couple of years in, in New York as well, which is just a really fortunate experience. And the the part of the the creative agency world as in was sort of called the, the brand experience space. So it was working a lot on helping brands use events and partnerships and sponsorships and things like that to to, to, to grow their brands and grow their audiences. And A lot of the time that would would come up and sort of rub up against corporate social responsibility and brands getting involved in for good and for purpose things. And what I observed there was there were two very distinct models. There were brands that did it almost out of conscience but nothing else. And so it was, okay, well, which cause should our business write a check to? And perhaps that was a cause that the chairman's partner was passionate about yeah. or whatever it may be yeah. and have we written a big enough check that our, our business has kind of dealt with its corporate conscience and now yeah. we can go back to what we do to make money but there was another approach which was to say what are all the things that our business is good at what are all the capabilities we have do we have great access to technology do we have a very large network of stores around the country and in towns and villages yeah. do we have Capabilities in X, Y, Z areas. How could we use all of those capabilities yeah. to do good? And it always seemed to me, the advice I always gave to, to, to brands was the more that you can connect your sense of social purpose and mission with what you actually do, yeah. the better it's going to be. Yeah. So that's my long-winded way of saying, I think the connection to philanthropy begins for all of us going what is the greatest positive impact I can have? Yeah. Not simply, what check do I need to write to sleep a little bit better at night? Yeah. And the answer to that will be completely different for everyone. And everyone's circumstances are, are different. And you know, we talk a lot about being generous for you in, in the campaign. But for some people, that may be, I can't give anything right now. But yeah. there's probably something yeah, yeah. that all of us can give. Some capacity or capability that we have. And I think that, to me, is where that connection comes from. Because that also is more nourishing and more rewarding to you because you're now doing something yes. specific to you. So that's my no, I like my that, long-winded...
0: Man. I like that. Film. No, I think it's great. I think it like what you were saying before, you're, when you're talking about your sort of restlessness around purpose and that, and having something to connect it to, that connection. Uh, we're doing a pet drive at the moment, pet items drive food and so on for... A local welfare agency here, and uh, got a message recently from a guy. It's got nothing to do with the school, um, for a, a, quite a large retail business. And he said, "I, I love pets. I'm going to send you all this stuff." And he sent me the list. It was over two and a half thousand dollars worth wow. of pet gear. <laughs> and I said, "So I wrote back to him. Thank you so much." And it arrived. It filled up all the foyer, you know, and. Uh, you know, just that connection that there was this thing that he'd heard about through a parent here, just heard about it and thought, yeah, this is a great idea. Hadn't thought about that before, but it just sort of scratched where he itch, you know.
1: And it spoke to something that he uniquely and specifically could help yeah. address. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And
2: yeah. I think that's right. It's the mixture of what, what what talks to you from a sort of values point of view and what can you do. And mm. philanthropy... To echo Matt, is about much more than money. Mm. You know, it can be, but it can also be time. It can also be specific skills. You know, there are so many different ways to contribute, and each are extremely valuable.
0: Yeah, yeah that's right. Being able to give is a is a gift. And I think we all have it, just being able to tap into it, sort of turning on the the light bulb somehow, is important. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time, Matt, Christy. It's been great having you here. You can uh hold that whatever you call it, with being the first parents <laughs> 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 on the podcast. You can tell people they A the trophy seat. that will never be taken <laughs> off us. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks for your time and all the best for the campaign. I think it's great. And I mean it's been I mean, fantastic to talk to you just because for me I like the, the passion, the the drive is tangible, so good on you and it's it's very encouraging for me you know working here at the school to know that there's people like both of you and parents around who really catch on to i guess our vision you know making it the best place it, could it be is able. contagious yes Yeah. You know. vision is contagious that's good <laughs> that's good thank you everyone for listening hope you're all well hope to see you around you need to ask questions for Matt or christie at all we can run them by me and i can pass them on but um otherwise Look forward to talking to you again. Take care. Bye bye.